Good afternoon. Welcome to Anchored in Hope. I am Father Larry Richards. And as always, it's so good to have you here. Everything's working this week. I think everybody can hear me. Um, Everything's working on the thing. So that is fantastic. Again, what we do here at this Anchored in Hope podcast is we focus on bringing hope to the world because that's what Jesus did. He brought hope to the world. And so we just want to continue and be his instrument of hope and love and joy. That doesn't mean that everything's always perfect, but it means in the darkness, which is everywhere, we conquer the darkness with the light, the hope of Jesus Christ. And so the first thing I want to do is I encourage you to, if you want to ask any questions, put them on YouTube here on the, on the side under comments, and I'll go through them. And I, I'll go through the questions you give me. I have some questions uh, from last week, and we have a lot of email things, and we'll get to as much as we can today, okay? But the first thing we got to do is pray. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Great God of love and mercy, hear us as we come before you. Help us to do your will, to live your will, to seek your will above all. Father, grant us great faith that we may know that you are the conqueror of all things. When people despair, you bring hope. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lead us and guide us that we may live your will all the days of our life. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good St. Joseph, pray for us. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, we. it's good to have you all here today, and it's all good that uh, uh, we get to come together again next week. I'm going to be at Emmaus I, I should be back in time. The Mayus is our time for priests to come together and with our bishop and our deacons. So we get to spend a good amount of time next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and they came, come back Thursday. So, or no, when? I don't know if I'll be back here or not, come to think of it next week. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll announce it that morning at Mass, if you will. So that'll be a good way for you to know because... Uh, no, yeah, I'll be back. Today's Thursday. I keep thinking I get my days mixed up. Sorry. So, yes, I'll be here uh, next week on Thursday. But today I want to start off with something that's uh, a comment on the YouTube thing here. And it's about, um, oh, this is from Mike. And it's about the Holy Father. And I just, you know, when I talk about hope, I don't think anyone in this world brings more hope the world and Pope Francis and um, I know you know it's always a big thing that people uh, don't agree with him and again I just think it's their pride getting in the way and I just really think that the the evil one's trying to divide us so I want to talk again specifically about this and here he's just talking about Pope Francis recently changed the church's catechism and stated the death penalty for criminals is never acceptable. As I see it, that puts him for today's, theolo- for today's Vatican theologians in direct opposition to St. Augustine. See, the Pope is greater than St. Augustine. St. Augustine's just a saint. He was never the Pope. 
you know, and so we change a lot of the rules. You know, again, like I talked about a couple of weeks ago, that uh, St. Uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas, one of our greatest theologians, uh, did not believe in the, the Immaculate Conception or the, uh, or I don't know if, uh, I, it's one of the two. He didn't believe in the Immaculate Conception or the Assumption. I forget which one, but that's okay because he wasn't infallible. He didn't have the promise of inf- infatality, uh, infatality, in, in the being... Uh, to always being faithful to the teaching of the church. You know, if it comes to a pope or a saint, you always listen to a pope, always, right? And so it says, uh, Thomas Aquinas, several other saints taught, they were not only canonized saints, but well, ex- extremely well um, respected the fathers of the church. Yes, I get it. So on one hand, the fathers of the church who form church's doctrines tell us the death penalty is acceptable under some circumstances. First of all, you know who changed this uh, thing on the death penalty was... Uh, uh, Saint, the great John Paul II. He's the one that did it now, this, and Pope Francis just made it and canonized it and says it's never acceptable. So, and by the way, I don't agree with it. Like, I believe we should be able to, uh, certain people should be killed, but guess what? If it comes to be what I believe and what the church and the Pope teaches, it's always the church and the Pope's teaching first. Whether I agree with it or not, nobody asked me, hey, uh, Father Larry, do you agree with this? It's not my place. I don't have to agree with it, but I got to support it and I got to preach it and I got to do what I'm told to do because that's being obedient to God through the Pope. But anyway, so let's go on. Cherison telling us no dice. Confu- this, this should not be confusing. So he says it's confusing. This should not be confusing in any way, shape, or form. Always listen to the Pope. Always, always, always. So there are some Catholics who say that Francis is not the legitimate Pope, the anti-Pope, and that his rulings prove it. That's exactly what's wrong. Pope Benedict very clearly has said he resigned and the cardinals of the church voted Francis in. That is a true thing. But the problem is all these people, I'm going to be talking about this in a second, who say, follow the Pope, listen to the Pope, as long as, they, as long as the Pope agrees with me. And see, that's the problem. I think this Pope is taking us where God, I know this Pope is taking us where God wants us to go. He wants us to go beyond just all this uh, prim and proper uh, stuff in the church and the rituals of the church Do we go out and we take care of the poor. We love others. We love our enemies. We bring in everyone. We should have a, a yearning to bring everyone into this relationship of Jesus Christ so that they can be saved. God wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth, and we got to be the instruments of that. And the way we do that is the same way Jesus Christ did it, by going to the cross, by paying for the sins of the world. He took all the sins of the world upon himself. And so this Pope is one who's coming and he was a servant. So again, like it or not, I just want to read what the teaching of the church is. So I'm just saying here, Mike, I, I get what you're saying, but you gotta, gotta, gotta submit yourself if you're going to enter into the kingdom. You're going to have to listen to the teaching of the church through the Pope. Why do I say that? Well, because Vatican Council I, we're not even talking about Vatican Council II, Vatican I, already talked about this way in the beginning when it says here at Vatican Council 1 in chapter 3, it says, the judgment of the apostolic see, the Holy Father, whose authority is not surpassed, the Holy Father, is to be disclaimed by no one. 
nor is anyone permitted to pass judgment on his judgment. That means another bishop can't pass judgment on his, on his judgment, that another cardinal can't pass judgment on his judgment. Canon law, canon law in uh, canon 1404 says, the first see the Pope, is to be judged by no one canon law. But the First Vatican Council, this is a dogmatic constitution. What's that mean? A dogmatic constitution means you must believe it. You can't uh, pick and choose what you're going to believe. And then it goes on here, and this is in chapter 3 of the Vatican, First Vatican Council, dogmatic constitution. Um, he goes on and say, in this way, by unity with the Roman pontiff and communion and profession of the same faith, the Church of Christ becomes one flock under the supreme shepherd. This is the teaching of the Catholic truth, and no one can depart from it without endangering his faith and his salvation. You hear that? And then it says, the sentence of the apostolic see, than which there is no higher authority, is not subject to revision by anyone, nor may anyone lawfully pass judgment there upon him. And so they stray from the genuine path of truth who maintain that it's lawful to appeal from the judgments of the Roman pontiffs. So you can sit there and say, well, let's see what some bishop says. It is unlawful to do that. As if the Roman, the, as to, uh, to an ecumenical council, as if there were an authority superior to the Roman pontiff. What this means, there is no authority superior to the Pope, not any bishop, not any cardinal, not any layperson, no one, dogmatically taught by the Holy Roman Catholic Church that this is what we believe, right? And again, you can always tell a tree by its fruit. What's the fruit of this Pope? Mercy, love, forgiveness, reaching out to the poor, bringing people back home. This is what it is. Now, some people say, that, well, the Pope can't change anything. Are you kidding me? Let's go all the way back. Again, we've talked about this before, but remember, God said it was a law, you cannot eat pork. Is that correct? Yes, God made it. It's a commandment of the law. Then Peter is having in prayer, and in prayer he has a vision, and the vision says, take and eat, take and eat, and he comes and tells the church, guess what? God told me you're allowed to eat pork. Bacon, we're allowed to do this. So they changed the law. Again, the Sabbath was on Saturday, and uh, it had nothing to do about going to church. It had to do rest. And then the Pope come later and said, we're going to change the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. What? How can you change the third commandment? Well, this is what God has told us. We're going to now do it on Sunday. And it not only means you cannot uh, work that day, but you need to go to Mass. Okay? So, a lot of things, and this is just the beginning of things. Things have changed a lot. And as long as we agree with those changes, we say it's okay. But as soon as we don't agree with those changes, then we start fighting. Again, St. Augustine, who was quoted earlier, said the greatest of all, someone says, what's the three greatest virtues? And he said, the first one is humility. The second one is humility. The third one is humility that we need to humble ourselves and just trust God, that God chose this Pope, that God will not let his church go into error because he promised us. If the church is in error, if the Pope is the anti-Pope, then God lied. Jesus said, 
the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Jesus says, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. So, when all the cardinals voted legitimately on this man, and this is the one the Holy Spirit has chosen, for us to fight against him is to fight against the will of God. It just is. Now, I'm saying all this so there is no confusion because confusion robs people of great hope, right? It robs you of your hope if you're confused. So I'm telling you, you do not have to be confused about this. You can trust God and trust the words and the teaching of Pope Francis. You can do that. So please, if you have been confused, if you have been, I'm not sure. First of all, it doesn't matter what we think. It matters what God does and what God promises. And when he says, you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What you declare bound on earth, I will bind in heaven. What you declare loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's great power. And that's the power that God himself gave to Pope Francis. And we need to stop fighting and stop complaining and stop making the darkness and the confusion more because it's us that are causing this stuff. We need to be clear. We need to be completely clear that this is the Pope and we must be obedient. Okay? Now, I don't expect you to agree with me. No, I do expect you to agree with me on this because this is what it is to be a Catholic. You know, I was somewhere the other day and this woman was coming to me and complaining about all this stuff and she was complaining about the Pope and I says, she, what do you think, Father? And I says, I think what you should do is start calling yourself what you are. And she says, what's that? I said, a Protestant. Because a Protestant protests against the teaching of the church and protests against the Pope. So you might be a conservative Protestant, but that's what you are. To be a Catholic means we follow the magisterium of the church, and the magisterium is the pope and the bishops. Now, 99% of the bishops are 100% behind this pope. And let me give you a hint. This pope has put in all, most of the cardinals are going to be in the next voting. The next pope is going to be very much like Pope Francis. So, you got to sit there and either get on the board because this is where God's calling us to. He's calling us to grow. God isn't dead. He didn't stop teaching us 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ is alive, and it promises us that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he will continue to lead us. The teaching of the church is the same. We're called to love. God is love. We are, there's no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. All these things are the same. How we carry them out can change. And that's what's happening. We're growing. You know, some people sat there and says that, you know, when Vatican Council I came, well, we can never get rid of the Latin Mass. Of course not. Cardinal Wright, I'll never forget, he was my bishop, and not Cardinal Wright. Uh, yeah, Cardinal Wright. Um, no, the, uh, the guy who he was with. The, yeah, Cardinal Wright from Pittsburgh. And right before he got to go to the Vatican Council, they says, will we ever go to the uh, uh, English Mass? And he goes, of course not. That's unchangeable. And then guess what? They went to the English mass. And there was people that fought them, Lefebvre and their group, that they had the right to change that, and they kept the old thing. But if you're not growing, you're dying. And it's the same with the church. God isn't dead. He's alive, and he can still lead us and still guide us. 
and we got to just trust that. Okay, so I'm not even going to talk about this again. I just put all these things, and I've got a couple questions, and the, there's people going crazy online. It hasn't changed, but I wanted to make sure that what I'm saying to you is official teaching of the church from dogmatic teaching from the First Vatican Council, and it's also in canon law, and I could go into more, but I'm not going to do that now. So you can trust, you can trust that God is still in control of his church. Okay, so good. Now let's go to some of the live questions here. Okay. Father Larry, I hope you don't mind if I ask you how you feel about giving, feel giving the sacraments. I tremble with emotion and gratitude whenever his body is raised by you. Well, of course, to me, it's the greatest gift that I have as a priest. You know, when I was uh, a kid, I used to always say, Lord, let me say one mass and then you can uh, take me home. And I had my very first mass at the Carmelite Monastery in Erie, Pennsylvania. It, uh, they're not there anymore. And my family wasn't even there. And I remember saying, God, literally, okay, after I have this mass, I thought for sure that God was going to kill me, you know, because it was I asked that I could say one mass. Now, by God's grace, it wasn't about me saying mass. And that mass wasn't for me, and it wasn't for my intention. It was for someone else's intention, someone who's going to get married that day who I had never met before. And so was, I just thought how fitting it is that my very first mass is for somebody else. And I thought that's exactly the way that it should be. And it wasn't something I chose. It was something that was chosen for me. And again, that's what it goes, means to go to the cross, that we live a life for others. Uh, and sometimes that's an easy reality. Sometimes it's a harder reality. But I just, to me, that's the mass is when we get to touch heaven and heaven touches us. It's when Jesus Christ uh, feeds us with his own precious body and blood. And so that's why... I always, you know, I always try to make Mass not a ritual, but an encounter with the living God. And so some people sit there and think that, that, uh, that the way I say Mass takes them away because it's too uh, personal, and it shouldn't be personal. And I don't know any other way to make the Mass. If I just wanted to go through a ritual and, you know, just uh, like we were taught, you know, pray, say the black, do the red, say the black, do the red— well, it's not an encounter with the living God. So I rebel against saying the black, do the red, say the black, do the red. And what that say the black, do the red is, is in the uh, lectionary, or not in the lectionary, in the sacramentary, there's the red that tells the priest what to do, and there's the black that's our prayers we got to say. So what they're saying is just do what you need to do, and God will take care of the rest. Well, God gave us all our personalities. He shows himself in different ways and different ones of us. And so I just want to make sure that doing the black, uh, doing the red and praying the black, I'm doing it the way God has called me to. And so when someone uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, said something to me about, you know, I shouldn't be doing all this stuff. And the only thing I did is respond to her and say, listen, I pray every day and I seek God's will. I do. And if I tried to listen to what everybody out there tells me what to do, I wouldn't do anything because everybody has their own opinion. I got to do what I know that God is calling me to do. And I know when I drop dead, I'll stand before him, and I have to give an account of him for how I did his will. Not your will, 
not someone else's will, but his will. And so I do my best I can, whether people like it or they don't like it. I don't like it sometimes, I guess, too, but it's uh, what we do. Okay. Okay, let's go here. As a convert to the Catholic faith, I have a hard time embracing Mary. I have been looking online for books. There are so many out there. What would you recommend that I can learn more about her? Um, Dr. Scott Hahn has a couple books on Mary that are uh, fantastic. And he has um, uh, different speakers uh, and writers do different chapters of those books. So uh, just put uh, Mary... I can't remember the name of the, his two books, but there's uh, book one and book two. But just put Mary and Dr. Scott Hahn in a Google search and you'll find uh, that stuff. But never have to be afraid that you'll never love Mary as much as Jesus did, as the saints used to say. And you'll never love her too much. My only caution with everybody is, is we don't stop with Mary. Everything's about Jesus. And Mary's always going to lead us to Jesus. The last thing she ever said was do whatever he tells you. That means we got to listen to Jesus and then obey him. Do whatever he tells you. She didn't say do whatever I tell you. She said do whatever he tells you. That's scriptural. And so we don't get stuck on Mary. Again, the best way I do it is Mary's like a pair of cheater glasses. You put the glasses on. You don't get stuck on the glasses. You put the glasses on to see other things better. When you put Mary on and you have a relationship with Mary, no one looked at Jesus Christ more or longer than Mary did. And when we enter in this relationship, we get to see Jesus and hear his voice more clearly. And Mary will always lead us to Jesus, and that's the most important reality. Okay, so let's go on. My parish speed reads the Our Father makes me want to scream. <laughs> how can I bring up? How can I bring it up slowly it down without making a fuss? I just talked to the pastor. I mean, it has to be him that does this stuff. Like again, those of you who watch us every day at Mass, you know, today the gospel was the 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 Lord's Prayer, and so we've always stayed it slow. Always. My first first memory of ever talking about prayer was my very first spiritual director when I was in high school seminary um, and he was an SVD because I entered his SVD Society of Divine Word in high school seminary and uh, my spiritual director I remember I said to him uh, father when we go to mass why when Jesus tells us not to rattle on like the pagans do we all say the Lord's prayer so fast and he tried to um say it oh it doesn't really matter and I just thought yeah it does matter absolutely does that's why I've always tried to bring it down but again you can't do it on purpose like again like the other day I talked about at mass today that last uh Saturday or Sunday it was Sunday there's a woman that constantly at my parish doesn't like me saying it slow so she says it loud and fast and so she does it all the time and she sits up in the front and it just got me, you know, I'm trying to focus on God and you know, I'm just like anybody else. I'm a human being. When someone's purposely trying to take the whole congregation, which I need to be the shepherd of and lead, and she's trying to make it very clear that what she's doing is more important than what the rest of us are doing. I just stopped and I looked at her until she stopped. And I'm just thinking, you want to say the, our father faster, Go for it, but do it quietly. 
don't come and try to take over the whole congregation by you pushing what you want on the rest of the congregation. That's my job as pastor is to lead in the liturgy. So that's the thing. But again, people have different, you know, too many people go to mass on Sunday just want to go in and leave. Some people look for the fastest mass there is, you know, and I always say it's a Catholic light thing, you know, or you're not even in a relationship. You just want to get in and out fast. It's like trying to get married to someone and saying, listen, I love you, but I'm only going to spend the, the shortest amount of time I can with you once a week. And I'm going to come in late and I'm going to leave early. But to you, I just want to get this over and done with. And we do that with mass. We do that with almighty God. You know, again, people are trying to get me like, we have to get all our people back into the church and we have to get them back. Listen, I said, if they don't want to come back, that's their decision. I'm not going to beg people to come to be with Jesus. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to fast for them. But it has to be something that they decide out of love, not something I force them into or guilt them into. I'm a pretty good person. It can make people feel guilty about almost anything. But that's not love. That's guilt. And guilt is everything to do about you and not to do about others. So, again, we need to start going and taking people to be more in love with God and not trying to get it over with. Again, if you're, if you're one of those people who just go to Mass and you're looking for the fastest Mass to get it over with, I'm telling you, you don't love God the way you need to love God. When you're in love, you want to spend more time, not less. If you're in love, if it's just a ritual that you want to check off to say, I did that, I got my time in on Sunday, well, God bless you, but that's not love, okay? Sorry. Okay, let's go on here. <laughs> Next. Please help me. I'll try, Robert. I converted from being a Protestant about 12 years ago. My issue is I keep remembering awful sins I committed before I converted, all of them decades ago. I've been going to confession and conf confession and confessing them for years. So many times I thought I've made a good confession, only to weeks later recall yet another sin, mortal in nature, that I have yet to confess or I have forgotten I have confessed. I have humiliated myself so many times I'm wondering if I can simply put my past behind me and just know my sins have been forgiven. Robert, Jesus Christ came and we came a man and died on the cross to take away your sins, all of them. So when you make a good confession and purposely, purposely do not withhold any sins, all of your sins are forgiven, all of them. So you, the devil is bringing all this stuff up to you. The devil is the one who is the accuser, who constantly, it says in Revelation, night and day accuses them before God. So again, as I've talked about before, God knows your sin, but he calls you by name. The devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. What do you call yourself by? The devil keeps bringing up your past and your sins to keep you focused on yourself. And that's why you go into despair. You get into humiliation. You feel horrible. Jesus Christ paid for all of your sins, every one. And when you go to confession and you repent and you say, for these and all my sins, I am sorry. 
and the priest gives you absolution, they're done. They're gone forever. And you got to trust God on that because the devil wants to keep you focused on yourself and focused on your past. Jesus says, I want you to focus on me and focus on the future. Jesus has covered your past with his blood. And one drop of his precious blood is enough to take care of all of your sins. Completely, fully. So trust in him. So when the devil brings back your past sins, just say, Jesus, I'm sorry about that sin. I repent of it. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I'm sorry for that sin. I repent of it. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I'm sorry for that sin. I repent of it. Jesus, I trust in you. And then you're covered. You're covered under the blood of Jesus. If there's one thing I could get all of us to focus on, it's forget about you. Christianity is not the focus on self, but the forgetfulness of self. We stay way too focused on ourselves and our sins. And that keeps us from being focused on God in prayer and focused on other in service and love. Too many people, their whole life is focused on me and my holiness. And the problem is that selfishness and pride, you'll never be lifted out of that. When you give away your life to God and you give away your life for others, now your holiness is the byproduct of love. It's about doing God's holy will. So forget about yourself, forget about your past, and focus on Jesus. You got it? And hopefully, that's going to help you. Okay. Do-do-do. Hi, Father Larry. Hi, Louise. A friend's daughter is Catholic and in a civil marriage with a Protestant. Can she receive Holy Communion? No. Uh, can this marriage be blessed, and what is the process? Yes, it can be blessed very easily. So, again, what I wouldn't do is just go and go up to this girl and say, you can't go to communion <laughs> because I've tried that. It, it causes a lot of problems. Like, so, like, again, one of my parishioners, I found out they got married uh, uh, in a civil ceremony, and I got them after Mass one day, and I say, listen, you two, you know, I, I want to bless your marriage, and you need to have it blessed. And I, oh, yes, Father, of course. And so they're calling me in this next week, uh, they're going to come in and we're going to fix their marriage and get it all. We'll do all the paperwork and then we'll just bless their marriage. You know, so again, the church's law is you must be married uh, in the church, Catholic church, by a priest or get a dispensation. Then you can get married outside the church. Like if you're marrying a Protestant or a Jewish person, you're able to do that, but you need the dispensation of the church. You still have to go through all the paperwork. But if you've already been secular married, you need to get that blessed. And again, uh, we're just trying to help here. You know, like I, when I do a parish mission, I say, a lot of you need to get your marriages blessed. Don't go crazy over this. We're going to help you do this, you know? Uh, so yes. So always go the good. We can help you. We can help you. Should you go to communion? No, because you're not uh, marrying the church, but we'll take care of that. Let's do it right now. Let's get it fixed. And it takes, usually if it's just a blessing, it, you know, you can do it within a month. If it's, uh, 
If they need annulments and that, then you have to go through the process. But even that's usually only about six months now in my diocese anyway, and you can get all that stuff fixed. So please don't despair. We're not here to throw rules at you. You're here to set you free so that you can live in God's holy will, okay? So that's what we should be helping other people to do also. Okay. The Pope has given us several plenary indulgence for the year of St. Joseph. He sure has. One, for example, is praying the litany of St. Joseph. I understand that we can also receive one plenary indulgence per day. You got that. But my question is, are we limited on how many times or how often we can use one specific indulgence uh, work such as that specific litany? Can we do it once a week? You can, Joe, Joe, you can do that. You can get a plenary indulgence every day. You can do, like you can also, by saying a rosary in public, by doing the stations across, also plenary indulgences. But again, just doing these things does not gain you the indulgence. You also need to pray for the intentions of the Holy Father. <laughs> you know, again, all these people don't want him. You have to, to get a plenary indulgence, you have to pray for his intentions. Uh-huh. Then you got to go to communion and you got to go to confession. Uh, I think it's 10 days before, 10 days after you do the act. And then you also need to have no attachment to sin, even venial which means that when you go to confession, you're saying, uh, when you make your act of contrition, I firmly resolve to help your grace to sin no more. That's no attachment to sin. It's not, I'm going to try. It's, I'm going to sin no more. So if you do that, you can use, uh, so you can do different plenary indulgences. You can use them for yourself or someone who is dead. Again, I encourage you, do not waste indulgences on yourself. Give them away to people who are stuck in purgatory or who have died and they need them. So do it for other people. And guess what? When God sees your generosity, he'll also apply it to you. God wants people who are generous with their lives, who give their lives away, not stay focused on themselves. So don't waste the indulgences on yourself. Or again, if you get one every day, you can have one for yourself, but the rest give away because that's full remission of all confessed sins. So you don't need one every day for yourself. You get that once, it takes care of everything in the past. Let it go, move on, you know, but the other ones do for other people, okay? Let's go on here. Hello, Father. Good afternoon, Father. I know someone who's a practicing Catholic, but this person told me she doesn't remember of going through the sacrament of confirmation. What should she do? Again, it's usually an easy thing. She should get confirmed. So get the fullness of the Holy Spirit in her life. So again, like at our diocese, it's an easy thing. Like I just uh, meet personally with a person, talk to them about an hour about the power of the Holy Spirit and what happens at confirmation. And then we go and uh, either I get permission to confirm them myself or we send them to where the bishop's going to be and they can get confirmed. Uh, some dioceses, depending on if they were formed in the faith, might want them to go through RCIA. But again, if they're practicing and they go to confession, I mean, they go to communion every week, they're always going to church and they haven't been confirmed, it's an easy process. It's an easy, uh, they can get confirmed. They just need, uh, you know, to do some catechesis before they do that, Okay. Are we allowed to attend the wedding of same-sex marriages and also the party afterwards? Now, this is an, uh, a pastoral question. I would encourage you not, and again, I'm not want to sit there and say, don't do that, you can't do that, because <laughs> people don't agree anyway. Listen, first of all, it isn't a marriage, no matter what. A marriage is between 
a man and a woman. So same-sex unions are not marriages. So I would not go to their quote-unquote marriage. You could go if they're a close family member to their reception. Now, when it comes to a son or daughter, I always talk about you got to pray about what the Lord tells you because Jesus ate and drank with sinners. And sometimes when it comes to your sons and daughters, if they see you just judging them, that'll close a door and you'll never be able to get them to Jesus. But if you, they know where you stand and they know the teaching of the church and they know what God says through the Bible. But you stay with them to save them. You don't okay someone's sin. We can't do that no matter what sin it is. You know, the same question could be asked, can you go to a secular wedding of a Catholic person who's getting married outside the church? And it'd be the same type answer because truly they're not getting married because a Catholic needs to get married either with the permission of the church or in the church. And so if they get married outside, it's the same reality. It'd be a a sinful union until they got that blessed. So we still go, let me tell you, my mother got married by a JP. This is before I was ordained. I was there to support her, but I was very clear. She has to get this blessed. She got to do what God wants her to do. But I still was there for her because she's my mother. And sometimes we don't want to be there where people are at. But again, Jesus was always where people were at. He never sinned with them, never but he met them where they were to bring them to where the Father wants them. So the point of all this stuff is we want everyone to be saved. Why? Because God wants everyone to be saved, right? God's will is everyone be saved and come to knowledge of his truth. So how do we get them there? Do we judge them into that? And I've tried that. It doesn't work. Do we love them into that? That works. So meet them where they are, but bring them where they uh where they're called to be. So if you're, if you're not a close relative or anything else, I wouldn't go to either of the things. If you're a mother, father, okay, maybe the ceremony just to show them that uh, you love them, that you're there for them. But uh, again, you're going to have other priests that say the exact opposite and people will go crazy now and people will put this on and say, you see what Father Larry's saying? He's okay in these things. I'm not okay in these things. I'm giving you a pastoral response. You ultimately got to do what God tells you, not what Father Larry tells you what God tells you. And that's why it's so important that you're praying and that you're listening to him. And again, people went crazy when Jesus met the, uh, the woman caught in adultery, where he met her where she was at and says, does anyone condemn you? No one, sir, neither do I condemn you. They went nuts. Do you think that caused scandal? Unbelievable scandal. But then after he met her where she was, he then said, go and sin no more. We try to reverse that and tell people to go and sin no more when they've never experienced the love of God. And a lot of times, it's because the only thing they've ever experienced from us was the judgment of God. And you know what? That's not ours to give. That's God's to give. God will judge every person, and not just at the end of their life. He judges everybody every day and gives them the consequences for their decisions. So God can handle that. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He needs us to bring his love to them so that they can respond to him and then do God's holy will. 
We need to do what we do, not out of fear of God, but out of love of God. Again, I've said it a million times. I'm a virgin, 61 years old, not because it's a rule, but because that was the gift I gave to God. I do it out of love, and that's what keeps me one all these years. Not a rule. I can break the rule and go to confession. Love is what keeps you faithful, and love is what we need to be bringing out to the world, okay? God will be the judge. We need to meet them where they are. Never sin with anybody. Never, never, never. That's not what I'm saying. But meeting them where they are with the intention to always get them to where God wants them to be, okay? Again, hopefully that helps. Okay, how many times can someone receive the Eucharist in one day? Twice. Uh, Father, your thoughts on the writings of Father Henry Nowen and Thomas Merton. Well, I've read both of their stuff. Uh, in fact, when I was in seminary, I read a lot of uh, uh, Henry Nowen stuff, uh, especially his book on compassion. It's one of the uh, books that hit me in the stomach. And I also read his diary, when I, uh, New Mallory Diaries, when he was up there. I, and again, with Thomas Merton, I read his Seven Story Mountain, a lot of his readings and that. But none of them are perfect, you know. So you can find some of the things in there that are like, oh, I don't know about that stuff. But most of the stuff that I have read, I haven't read all their stuff, has been good stuff, you know. But again, though, they might, you don't dismiss people if they say uh, something wrong over here. People want to do that. Like, I, I, hate when people, like, I, I don't have an unpublished thought, right? All my thoughts are online. You know, it's just terrible. And so in all these years, I've said things, I've said stupid things. And people, especially a couple years ago, looked at all my stuff to find things on me. And they found lots. You know, that's why uh, someone wanted to take the stuff off there. And I go, no, 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 keep it on. I want people to see me at my worst, I want people to see me when I've said stupid things. And if they want to make a judgment about me forever because of that, that's on them. May God judge them the way they judged me. But that's part of who I am. But I don't want anyone to reduce me to that because with all my heart, I want to do God's will. All my heart, I only want to speak the truth. With all my heart, I only want to write what's true and what will bring salvation, period. And that's all I want to say. So I do the best I can. But have I messed up? Is there things I've said? Yes. So are these guys, which I like both of them, again, everything I've read of them, I haven't found a problem with, but there might be something there. The same thing like with uh, Father James Martin. I read his book on all things Jesuit. I thought it was fantastic. He drove me crazy when he called God her or she a couple times. It had me nuts. But I'm not going to dismiss the whole book because in there he called God she. Uh, <laughs> I don't agree with it at all, but he still, but the still I thought was a good book. So we got to stop uh, reducing people to if they say something that's uh, not in line or not right or not theologically correct and still use their other stuff. You know, it's still possible. In my opinion, that's what I believe. But both of those guys I have, if you were to walk into my room, I have a lot of books from both of these guys, especially Henry Nowen. I have a lot of his stuff. Okay. So let's go on here. Okay. Is there an official church teaching on whether we will see our pets in heaven? 
No, again, me and uh, I've talked about this before. Pope Francis believes all all the animals go to heaven, so there. And so that's why another reason I like the Pope. But I oh, I have two dogs. You know, I just took them to the vet the other day. One's eight, and the full Rottweiler, and he's getting old. The other one's a mix, and he's eleven. So I don't know. I don't think I'll have dogs uh, after this because it's too hard. I had a great couple that took care of my dogs, and they retired from doing that. And so it's very hard to get people to take care of your dogs as a priest. Even I was begging people to do it, and <laughs> nobody came forth, you know. So anyway, that's all beside the point. So when these two go, it's probably going to be done with me for dogs because I'm on the road too much, you know. So, uh, But yes, I believe that everything God is good in all things, and it, they don't have a soul like we do, an eternal soul. But God is so much bigger. I, I just can't go. I go crazy when people say, this is what God does. Isn't that amazing? What, we do that with everything. We try to take the infinite, mysterious God and make him very black and white and make him and put him on our little box. Again, God cannot be put in a box. God is always more, always more. Doesn't mean it's not truthful. Of course it's truthful. But if you ask me, I think the pets are going to heaven. If you ask Father Mitch Pacwa, he completely disagrees with me on this. We always went back and forth. They disagree. Of course they can disagree. They don't know. They haven't been there either. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm just kidding, Father Mitch. Just kidding. Anyway. Okay, I have heard that the vaccine is just the beginning of some of the prophecies about Mark of the People in the end times. I'd love your opinion. I completely disagree with that. I just think people, I just don't get it. Why people don't get it, I just don't get it. Um, all right, I did a lot of these already. Okay, yes, I've dealt with most of these. When you, are, when you retire, are you still going to have your holy hours? Are you obliged to say Mass every day? Of course, I'm going to say holy hours every day until I drop dead. Even if God willing, I'm an old 95-year-old man, I'll still do holy hours. Uh, because holy hours isn't what I do because I'm a priest. Holy hours is what I do because I want to be with Jesus. And so, you know, it's just that simple. Uh, you know, this morning I was there with him, got up at 3.55 as always, and I got to spend my hour with Jesus, and I do that because I, I need that. Praying is more important than breathing. And uh, you don't have to say Mass every day, but of course I'll say Mass every day. I say Mass every single day, whether there's people there, whether there's no people there. Because why? Because the God of the universe, I have the power to bring forth unto this earth, and then he feeds me with his own precious body and blood. Why would I not say Mass every day when I can have such great intimacy with Jesus Christ? Be with him in his holy presence of the Eucharist is the greatest thing. So yes, of course, I'm going to do all those things, God willing. Okay, do-do-do-do-do. Got here late, but I wonder if, you're, if you are not to pray mindlessly and babble, how, then how does that compare to meditative mindless reaction of the rosary? Again, the rosary, you can say the words, but you need to be in meditation. Again, as I've talked about when you're saying the rosary, you need to really enter in. So when you're saying the rosary as a repetitive prayer, it's a mantra to use another religion, if you will, to what their practices are. It's a mantra to help you go deeper in the prayer. So it's mindful in your meditation. So again, there you are in your meditation. 
meditating on the birth of Jesus. And as you're meditating on the birth of Jesus, you can smell the cows and the animals around you. You see Jesus be born, however he's born. You see Joseph, the first one, receive communion in the hand. He gives Jesus to Mary. Mary's holding him, and you're watching this. And Mary looks at you and says, here, would you like to hold him? And you hold the God of the universe. So it's not mindless. You're saying the words to create the meditative stance so you can enter in and encounter Jesus and Mary. You can be there. It's the greatest thing. But again, too many people just say the rosary to get it done. And they do a lot of prayers, babble on like the pagans, because they're not praying. They're, just, you know, they're folding laundry and saying the rosary. They're driving and saying the rosary. They're exercising and saying the rosary. They're not meditating on the mysteries. The most important part of the rosary is the meditation on the mysteries. That's where we become like God. When we watch him, we become like him. That's the point. So that's why uh, you don't just uh, focus. Like when you're saying the rosary, it creates the meditative stance. It's the words that take you in deeper with God. So that'd be a little bit different. Okay. Let's go on. Good afternoon. Thanks about the Pope thing there, Landa. Good afternoon, Father. I have heard you about the priest that was asked. To... Good afternoon, Father. Have you heard about the priest that was asked to rising from the priesthood by his bishop? I don't know what that means. I'm sorry, Robert. Resting. Maybe retire. I, have, I don't know. Sorry. Okay, according to him, because he's speaking, he is speaking the truth. I do not know, Robert. You have, why, why don't rewrite that? Uh, rewrite that because I don't get what you're saying there. Okay. Hello, Father. Why after we do a lot of paperwork to come to Jesus, we go to confession. The one thing is sick, and Jesus said, "Let little children come to me, and do not prevent them." Yes, but if you see the early church, the early church, uh, boy, they had all kinds of stuff. You weren't. Like, if you weren't baptized, you were not allowed to go be part of the Mass, you know? So this is, and this is way in the beginning, in the 300s. You know, you, you weren't even allowed to know the Lord's Prayer until you were halfway through your RCIA, you know? So it was always like, uh, we want to come to Jesus without the cross, and so we just want to bypass all these things. And there's been history for that, too, that, you know, the Ethiopian eunuch who uh, just says, what's to stop me from getting baptized? And he was baptized immediately, but he still needed catechized, you know. So he was baptized, but he wasn't catechized. So we try to get both, that you need a relationship with Jesus, but you need to know the truth about Jesus. If not, you can get all kinds of heresies and do different things. So I agree about paperwork. When you have such a big church as we've had, then we need paperwork just to keep a place going. But when it comes to the sacraments, they were all given to us by God to have an encounter with the risen Lord. And so the sacraments, that's why it's confession, all those things are so important. And again, like people sit there and think, I don't need confession, I can go right to Jesus. And you can, but just like someone, if they have cancer, you can go right to Jesus and Jesus can heal you. But he normally heals you through a doctor, right? Well, Jesus, the, a priest is a doctor of soul. So he's the one that makes real and concrete the power of God himself. And so remember what St. John, when he opens up his letter, it says something that we have touched and felt, something we have seen. That's what the sacraments are. And so you need to be catechized and taught about them so you really know what's going on. 
You know, a lot of people that go to church, they don't really know what the Mass is about. That's why they can't wait to get in and get out because they don't know it's about a personal encounter with the living God. They don't know it's supposed to cost them their lives. People today just want to follow Jesus without denying themselves and picking up their cross. But you can't follow Jesus according to Jesus. No one can be my disciple unless you deny your very self, pick up your cross, and follow me. So it'll kill you to follow Jesus, period. The early apostles knew that. We want to fit Jesus and let Jesus be part of my life. Jesus can't be part of your life. He wants all of your life. And so we have to go deeper. And I know that's not what you're, you're saying the same thing, but the sacraments, catechesis, all that stuff, uh, doing paperwork is all stuff we need Then we have a church of how many billion people we have in our church. So that's why. But I agree with you. It's always more. It's not either or, it's both and, is again what I try to say. In reference to particular and final judgments, are confessed sins forgiven? Yes, of course they are. Okay. Then let's go back to here. Oh, his resignation. Oh, there you go. Yeah, if the bishop asked me to resign, then I got to resign. You know why? Because the bishop asked me to. And the greatest thing for priests is our vow of obedience. You know, when we are not obedient, especially to our bishop, then we're not obedient to God and we're going against his will. And again, it means our pride is taking the reality. You know, one of the greatest saints of uh, the past generation was Padre Pio. Remember Padre Pio? And Padre Pio had the stigmata for 50 years. Uh, he was asked by his superiors, because Rome asked him, if he was forbidden to say public mass or hear confessions. And he was a great saint. And they didn't even tell him. And it was in the paper. And they kept the paper away from him, a regular Catholic paper. And then he saw the paper, and he picked it up, and he read it. And he started crying and walking out. He just walked out of the room. But he was obedient. There are a lot of priests today who are going against the Pope, going against all these other things, going against their bishops, and people are supporting them. But all of that is disobedience. None of it has to do with humility, and everything has to do with pride. When I was ordained, I not only I took my vow of celibacy once, but priests take our promise of obedience twice when we're ordained a transitional deacon and when we are a priest, ordained a priest. We take our vow of obedience twice. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. Now again, I've seen some people go crazy about obedience is not what we're called to do. If anyone says that, we know they're not of God. Because that's exactly what God calls us to do, to be obedient. And when I made a promise before Almighty God to be obedient to my bishop and his successors, that's what I meant. And again, when the bishops have called me in and made me do something under obedience, that doesn't mean I haven't fought with them. No, oh, the one day I had my old bishop, we fought for 45 minutes before. He says, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, under obedience. Oh, done. Okay, why? Because I promised obedience. The priests promise obedience. So if your bishop asks you to resign, you resign. 
If God has your back, then he'll fix this. But you need to be obedient. And if you don't, you're following someone else who once said to God, I will not serve. I will not serve. That's why Satan was cast out of heaven. He will not serve. We as priests, first of all, are called to serve. And it got to be under, our priesthood is nothing without our bishop. We got to be in complete agreement and under the authority of our bishop. We can't even say mass or hear confessions without the permission of the bishop, like it or not. So, yes, he should resign, whoever this is. He must resign. And he, if he appeals to Rome, Rome's going to tell him he must resign because the bishop asked him to. And if the bishop asks you to do something, you say yes, especially when you're a priest and you've taken your vow of obedience. Okay? So, anyway, I got to go. And hopefully, again, I'm going to be back here with you next week. We're working on all this stuff to start the more of the interviews because I really want to do more interviews and take us that direction instead of me just asking, answering questions every week. You can go to Catholic Answers for that. Uh, but I'm just trying to get this going. And, uh, but I really want to be able to take us to when people come and watch us, they just walk away with hope. And sometimes I'm dealing with co- topics that don't give you hope. You know, and uh, when I answer them, it might make you mad and it's not giving you hope. But I want you to really, if, if something I say to you doesn't sit right, then you go and you ask Jesus about it, huh? Pray about it before you judge anything. Pray about it. Say, God, what about this? And then do again whatever God tells you. But he wants you to have peace. And by definition, peace is going to give you hope, huh? By definition. So... Remember, I love you that I'm praying for you and I beg you, please pray for me and pray for all the priests of our diocese next week when we're at Emmaus. There'll be time of refreshment, time of vision, and a time that we just make sure we're all doing God's will. Okay? The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.